We're in the middle of a series called Identity Found, and one of the, I think one of the things that people are um, challenged with the most, certainly in culture and in the world, is a loss of identity, and we try to cover it up. We try to make it seem like um, I'm going to find myself, I'm in search of who I am, and we get to the end of it, and we reach our us and get disappointed in the process because we don't find the identity that is found in, in the Lord. I don't know what, uh, what do you call it? Facebook has become like um, uh, TikTok. It's starting to figure out what your algorithms are. And so I've had this long kind of stint of sea turtles being cut out of uh, nets and stuff. So people that leave nets in the, the sea and so forth, and these people come and they, and so one right after the other. And so it fits into kind of what I'm going to talk about tonight, about how our identity is meant to be freed in Christ. But then today, I just took a little break, went on to Facebook, looked at it for a minute during my lunch, and it wasn't any more sea turtles this time. They knew the heartstrings of Jonathan, and they put a little baby monkey caught in... Uh, a net. So I want you to see it because it's going to fit into what I talk about today. So take a look. Well, <laughs> guy. almost there. He's almost there. He's a little mad at first. <laughs> he calms down here in a second. Watch him, watch him clean him off.
<laughs> so there's so many things about that one video. One is the compassion of that man that you know went out there and freed him. And the other thing is there that little monkey was not going to be able to get out of that mess on his own or her own. And to see the time that was taken to, to loose them, and then you can see that, that baby monkey just kind of calming down and just becoming more comfortable in being, in being free. Not necessarily our foundation scripture for this series, but let's go to 2 Corinthians, and we're going to turn there too. So if you have your Bible, we're going to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So if you're in the New Testament, it's right after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So 2 Corinthians 5.17. I'm in 1 Corinthians. Go to, if you're in 1 Corinthians, go to the right. Once again, I want you to... Am I okay with my mic? <clears throat> Once again, I want you to take notes, and I'm going to point out several things through this. But let's go ahead and read it. Therefore, if any person is engrafted... In Christ, I want you to circle, either on your notes or in your Bible, circle in Christ. Also want you to notice the word engrafted. If you've ever seen somebody that has had like um, a burn or something of that nature, they'll do a, what's called a skin graft. They'll take skin from another part of their body, maybe their leg, and they'll engraft it in that skin, that new skin grows in a different place. So we've been engrafted into Christ the Messiah, he is, the, any person, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. Now I want to read this to you, same verse, in the Passion. Now if anyone is enfolded, I like the Passion says enfolded. If, you, if you've ever done a recipe where you've um, folded in something, maybe you've folded in um, whipped cream or heavy cream or something, you've folded it in. We've been enfolded into Christ. The oh, I lost my place. I guess I could advance it too. He's become an entirely new person. All that is related to the old order has, has uh, vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. So we can safely say our identity is brand new in Christ. When we talk about identity being found, our new identity is not connected to this world. It's not even connected to us. Our new identity is found within the Lord Jesus Christ. Your first villain is, uh, what is the meaning of the descriptive name Christ? Now, some of you may know this by now, but I want to just, for the sake of this, this lesson, to talk about Christ, the name Christ. And many people say, Jesus Christ, or they say, have, have you uh, invited Christ into your life? And I love that. I love that people say, have you given your heart to Christ, that Christ is the center of our lives? And I love that they use that name for him, but it's very descriptive. It's specifically descriptive of him. It wasn't his last name, so he wasn't born to J uh, Joseph and Mary Christ. <laughs> so it's, it's descriptive of him. So the name Christ is telling us something about Jesus. 
Because we see in the scripture that he's referred to Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God, the Son of Man. But we also see that he is specifically referred to as Jesus the Christ or Jesus Christ. And many times in the epistles, they take off the name Jesus and call it Christ. Well, we're going to get to the bottom of this here in a second. That we've been, uh, we can translate Christ as the anointed one and his anointing. Now, some of you may have heard this teaching before, but some may have not. So I want to refresh us all on this, that we can translate Christ as the anointed one and his anointing. So when we say Jesus Christ, we can say Jesus Christ, the anointed one and the anointing that is on him. But what does the anointing do? Now, if you've uh, thought about this for a minute here, that why would they use Christ in some instances in the Word of God? Why would they use the name Jesus in some instances in the Word of God? What is Christ referring to? Well, it's very, very specific, and we're going to unpack it tonight when we see the, the relation to the name or the description of Christ. So let's go to Isaiah. So if you're in the New Testament, you're going to go to the left, to Isaiah. Psalms kind of falls in the middle of most people's Bibles. So if you're at Psalms, you're going to go to the right. Isaiah is to the right of Psalms and to chapter 10. I love Isaiah. It's a, one of the heaviest, what we call a prophetic of the, of the pre-incarnate Jesus, meaning Isaiah prophesies Jesus very heavily in the Old Testament. So pre-incarnate before he became to the earth as a man. So there's a lot of dis, uh, references and descriptions of Jesus the Christ in Isaiah. So let's look at Isaiah 10:27. Now it shall come to pass in that day that his burden, it's talking about a specific enemy, his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke about your neck. So stop real quick, and I want you to either on your notes or your Bible to highlight two things. The first one is burden. Circle the word burden. The next one, circle the word yoke. So let's see what it's describing right here. It says, in that day, it shall come to pass that he shall, that the, uh, he shall take away Oh, I lost my place. He will take away from your shoulder his yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed. So circle the word destroyed. And then how is it destroyed? It will be destroyed by the anointing oil. So if you want to, the things that you've circled, burden, yoke, and destroyed, we can tie all that to, draw an arrow in your Bible or on your sheet, all of that to the anointing oil. Now I want to read it to you out of the Amplified. That was New King James. And it shall come in that day that the burden of the Assyrian, he was referring specifically to that, shall depart from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the fatness which prevents it from going around your neck. So a couple of things here real quick that we want to tie together with the New King James and with the classic amplified. The classic amplified says that the burden shall be removed because of the anointing oil. That there's something in the anointing that happens that the burden can't take place. 
The Amplified specifically says the fatness. Have you ever been to the gym and you've seen some of those guys, I hope not girls, but seen, and they've got a big old fat neck. I've got a fat neck. The, the biggest uh, that I can find in, this, in, a, in a collar is 18 and a half. And that still is, I'm like sucking everything. I mean, I fat, but I don't have a fat neck like some of the guys at the gym, you know, they have big old fat necks. And what's that from is that they're so muscular, they have, you know, they've done their traps so well that their necks are fat. Well, this is referring to that the anointing on our lives will cause us that our necks will be so fat that the bondage of the yoke, and think about like an oxen would be pulled by a yoke, that your neck is so big that it doesn't fit around your neck. So we're going somewhere with all of this. Your neck's filling. So we can say that the anointing removes the burden and destroys the yoke. So if we're talking about in Isaiah what the anointing does, it removes burdens and it destroys. It just doesn't, you know, break it apart. It destroys yokes. We can further translate that Jesus Christ, here's the direct parallel, is the anointed one and his anointing that removes the burden and destroys the yoke. So stop, full stop right here. That when we see in scripture, Jesus Christ, Christ is referring to how he operates. It's referring to that Jesus is the anointed one and the anointing that is on him. Now, before we tag on this last part, this would make sense because we also from scripture can say, can say that Jesus went around doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil because God was with him. We can also say that the Son of Man was manifest to destroy the works of the devil. So I don't mean to throw too much out of you, but we can hook together all of these things with that when it says Jesus Christ, that he is the anointed one. That's indisputable. But what also happens? And the anointing of the Holy Spirit that is on him. And what does that anointing do? It removes burdens and destroys yokes. Your next fill-in is, so our identity is found in the one who removes burdens and destroys yokes. I'm going to go somewhere with this in just a second. But do you see how the enemy fights identity? If there's ever been, and I, and I meant to bring a clip on it, and maybe I'll bring, I will bring it next week by a senator named Josh Hawley that talks about the absence of fathers in homes. And what happens is that it creates all kinds of mayhem in society when young men, specifically, young women as well, but let's talk about young men, when young men don't have a connection to an identity. And when they don't have a connection to an identity, they're subject to the bondages of culture. So we can see how the enemy has fought identity. He has fought who we, who we see ourselves are. Now, let me ask you this. Have you ever had a time in your life, maybe recently, where you felt not good about yourself? You didn't feel good about maybe the way you look. 
You didn't feel good about the way that you, maybe you'd made a mistake. You did something wrong. Maybe you, uh, you just had a, a poor self-image of yourself. You were struggling with finding your worth. And everybody deals with that from time to time. But let's go ahead and assign that, that that is the work of the enemy to make us think that we have a decreased value because something we've, that's been done to us or something that we've done. Our identity must be found in Jesus the Christ. So let's go to Joshua. So we're in Isaiah, so we're going to go to the left. And Joshua is toward the front of the Bible, New Old Testament. So we think Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. Should we do our books of the Bible again? And we're going to chapter 5. Once again, I want to encourage you to bring your Bibles on Wednesdays. We're going to start taking the time to go to scriptures. And what I want to see happen with Wednesdays, and in summertime, we'll get more into a Bible-type study. But many times in, on Wednesdays, or many times what I have done is that I've seen, had something in a service, and then later on that week went back and visited that, or read it again, or saw it again. So there's something when it's in your Bible you go back to that or from your notes or what have you, and you see that revelation to you. This isn't in my notes, but there's been a lot of times, and it's probably happened to you, that the preacher's saying stuff, and you see something in the Bible, and the Lord speaks something different to your heart than what the preacher's actually saying. And that's the Holy Spirit. So I want us to be familiar with our Bible so we have that voice of the Holy Spirit in front of us. Uh, so here we go. And the Lord uh, said to Joshua... That this day, I want you to highlight or circle this day. What day? This day. Two day. We can write above that. Today. That when God is talking to Joshua, he's talking about that this is not going to be in the sweet by and by, not down the road, but it is going to happen today. That this day I have rolled away the reproach. Circle the word reproach. Uh, the reproach of Egypt from you. So the name of this place shall be called Gilgal, rolling away uh, to this day. The Israelites in the Old Testament were at a place where even though that they were removed from Egypt, the effect of, of the bondage, I don't think I did use the right effect there, the effect of the bondage was still inside of them. Let me illustrate this a couple of ways. Number one, if you remember, God's people, the Israelites, were in Egypt under the control of the Pharaoh. God sent 10 plagues, and finally Moses said, you know, let my people go, and they were moved out of bondage. But at this point in the story in Joshua, the Lord is saying they still have Egypt on the inside of them. They still have the bondages that were the, the physical bondages they've been freed from, but the internal bondages are still there. And God said, this day, I've rolled the reproach off of you. Let me say it another way. Have you ever been in a relationship that wasn't good? And then you got out of that relationship, but then you go into other relationships or you treat your friends the same way that you were uh, abusive or misusive in other relationships. And it didn't mean that the new friends or the new relationship warranted your reaction. Maybe it didn't, but you were bringing with you the reproach from past failures, from past experiences, from, from past uh, hurts. 
And Jesus, the Lord, the Lord is saying right here that I today, this day, I've rolled the reproach. I've rolled the effects of what you lived in bondage off of you. That the Lord told Joshua that he removed the reproach of everything connected to bondage. And I'm going somewhere with this. I'm kind of building a case. God's heart, well, that's probably my next one. Think about the heart of God from the very beginning. Because we're talking about Joshua. This is the first part of the word of God. That from his heart from the very beginning has always been freedom and liberty for us. That our identities have always in the heart of God has always been the desire for him that our identities be free and, and uh, without burdens. So isn't it wonderful that when Jesus came, he came as the Christ, the anointed one and his anointing that removes the burden and destroys the yoke. The enemy's plan for our lives from the very start is bondage and burdens. And so we can say unequivocally, we can say without a doubt that any part of our lives that is, has bondage, that has fear, that has torment, that has anything that, that causes us not to live in, in hope and in peace, anything is, that is not from the heart of God. That the heart of God for our lives and specifically our identity is always liberty and freedom. Let's take it a step further. And your next fill-in right there is, oh, what a Savior, that Jesus the Christ came. And Jesus the Christ came as the anointed one and his anointing that did what? Removed the burden and destroyed the yoke who went around doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the enemy, that he came to destroy the works of the, of the devil. Oh, what a savior. So now let's go to Galatians. So now we're going back to the New Testament, so to the right. And if you get to like the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you still go to the right. And these are considered Galatians Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. These are the Pauline epistles, meaning they were written by Paul, the Apostle Paul, who used to be Saul. And like I'm in Galatians right now. So Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Gentiles eat pork chops. So go to the left, Galatians. That's a dumb joke, I'm sorry. Galatians chapter five. Gentiles do eat pork chops. Jewish people don't eat pork chops. I love fried pork chops. <laughs> Just a moment for me. So Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1, and I'm in the Amplified, and it's printed on your sheet as well. In this freedom, Christ, full stop. I want to point out these three of the words. In, what is in? Inside of something. In this freedom. And then the fourth word is Christ. So now that we've already learned this, I want you to automatically, either on your notes or in your Bible, translate that, that in this Christ, the anointed one and his anointing that removes the burden and destroys the yoke. So if you were like me, sometimes when we look at the word Christ, we know that's referring to Jesus. We know that the saying in Jesus, but 
Doesn't it take it to a next level, a higher level, when we say that in this Christ, Jesus, the anointed one, and his anointing that removes the burden and destroys the yoke, it goes to a whole nother level with who he is, has made us free and completely liberated us. So think about this. What has Christ done? What has in Christ done? In Christ, in this scripture in Galatians, has made us free. The Amplified says that it made us free and completely liberated us. So let's connect that to what, what the Lord told Joshua. This day, I've rolled the reproach of Egypt off of you. And God is saying to us, this day, whatever your identity is struggling with, I've rolled the reproach of that off of you by the anointing. Let's keep going. I don't think I read the rest of that. Stand, then, firm, uh, stand fast then and do not be tempted, or I'm sorry, hampered. Do not be hampered or held ensnared and submit again to a yoke. Circle the word yoke. Of slavery when you once, where you once put off. So let me ask you this, and this is an easy question, hopefully an easy answer as well. That is it God's design and his purpose for us to be completely free? Yes. So can we say with confidence in our identity that my identity, my emotions, my will, my thoughts, my heart are already designed to live completely free in Christ? And if they're designed to be completely freed in Christ, then that means I'm in a place where the anointed one, Jesus, is and his anointing that removes the burden and destroys the yoke in Christ is directly tied to freedom and the removal of yokes of bondage. That very specifically, what we can see in God's word is that God has strategically written because he easily could have said that we are in Jesus and there's nothing wrong with that. But God specifically ties it to, in Christ, we've been freed, completely freed. What does that have to do? That we've been completely relieved from yokes and bondage. The enemy has convinced people that bondage is a natural thing in our lives. Now, unfortunately, in society is that we have seen people living in Bondage, that their minds are, 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 are tormented, that their hearts are, are in, in turmoil, that their motives are, are ungodly. And you, the list is going on, and I'm trying specifically not to point to anything in particular, but you know, you've seen in the world people that, whose lives are just in a place of just chaos and destruction, And what has the enemy done? The enemy has made it look like that this is just the normal part of the human experience. Unfortunately, the church has followed suit in some instances. And in some instances, churches have taken things that the word of God calls a yoke, a bondage, deception, etc. and has embraced it. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to slam this. I'm, I'm going to make a point with this. 
that some churches and some denominations have embraced that and said it's normal. You should just absolutely embrace people where they are. And um, Jesus never said that such and such was not right. I mean, the list goes on and on. But I'm here to tell you that we have embraced bondage in, in some churches as normal and we have put people at a place where they will not experience freedom because we've said it's just a natural occurrence. Now, I thought here, we, uh, when we normalize, uh, we've normalized burdens and bondage. And I don't want to be insensitive, and I will not be insensitive. I, I, with all compassion to all kinds of people, because all of us have all kinds of quirks and hangups and mess-ups, all of us. But when we come to a place where we sanction and embrace things the word of God does not, we are not doing people a favor. And, and here's what's happened is that with all compassion, the message of the gospel, this message of gospel is still more than enough for every, to free every captive. Now, here's what we thought we are doing. I'm going to help God out. I'm going to help Jesus out. And things that he is very specific on. I mean, if you look at the words of Jesus, many times when he spoke to somebody and delivered their lives, he followed it up with and go and sin no more. And that wasn't just some like cute little hasta la vista, baby. He was specifically speaking into their lives and saying, repent and leave your life of bondage. His cousin John, first words of Jesus' ministry was to repent, change your heart, change your mind, because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And when we normalize it, we don't give people the opportunity to experience the gospel that does not need my help at all. <laughs> I don't need to help the gospel it will save, deliver, set free, and set people on a path for an eternity with God, with or without me. But what we have is people that are sinking in despair. And I had this thought in my mind that some people are, are sinking in, in a mud pit. They're about to go under. And the church is like, your, your sin is okay. God's not mad at your sin. And let me just let you know that God doesn't like my sin either. None of us are at a place where God says your sin is okay. But we've seen them sinking in this muck in this mire and we've looked at them and say, you know what? That mud is going to be great for your complexion. <laughs> Instead of letting the gospel of Jesus Christ, the anointed one and his anointing that removes the burden and destroy the yoke, instead of letting the gospel of Jesus Christ free people as God designed it to. I, I, I got a little soapbox there. Here. So your next fill-in is that um, there is new, complete, free identity waiting for every person's heart. And I want my heart, I want our heart to always be on the side of that God, we will let you be the anointed one 
and his anointing and not compromise the message of your, of your gospel. You don't need me to soften it for it to, to change somebody's lives. You don't need me to make it more palatable for it to have an impact. As a matter of fact, I am working counter to God when I try to make it differently than what the word of God is. Now I wanna show you something lastly in Colossians. So let's go to Colossians chapter one and we're gonna pick up on this next week as well. So if you're in Galatians, go to the right. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. And in chapter one, in verse 26 and 27. Once again, if, if uh, going forward, if you'll bring your Bibles, I'll put the, uh, what do you call it? The markers, out. I mean, the, what are they called? Highlighters, highlighters out there, and I want you to mark it up in your Bible. So watch this really quickly, and we're gonna pick up here next week, and I'm gonna use the illustration I'm about to show you again then. But watch this. The mystery which was hidden for ages and generations from angels and men, but now is revealed, circle revealed, to his people, the saints. Now I want you to write this in right now or your notes to your Bible, that this mystery right there is now revealed and put next to it, me. This mystery that is in the book of Colossians is revealed that God designed it to be revealed to me. The next verse, 27. To whom God was pleased to make know how great for the Gentiles, those are just those that are not, Jew, not Jewish, were not in a pre-covenant with God, are the riches of the glory of this mystery, circle mystery, that the Holy Spirit, that the, that the gospel is about to reveal in the scripture to me a mystery. And a mystery is not a mystery when you know what the mystery is. So here's the mystery. Which is Christ, can we translate that? The anointed one and his anointing that removes the burden and destroys the yoke. Watch this. That the anointed one and his anointing, which removes the burden and destroys the yoke within. Circle or underline within. Where's within? And the next word, and among you. The hope of realizing the glory so I want to illustrate, I used this illustration years ago, and I think it's been many years since I've used it again, so I want to use it tonight, and I'm going to use it next week as well. So this right here, let me make myself a little space. This right here is you. Now you didn't know this, but you were a clear storage container. <laughs> That's it, you're you. See, I can see you. <laughs> this is you. And this is Christ, but this is also Christ. Now, before I illustrate this, did we, do we agree that after tonight, and I'm use, using these ping pongs as the anointing, that Christ is descriptive of Jesus. And that description is, he's the anointed one and his anointing that does what? Removes the burden and destroys the yoke. Everywhere Christ is, Within him is that anointing. 
Would you agree? But wait a minute. There's also big Christ. <laughs> so also in Christ is the anointing that removes the burden and destroys the yoke. Now, once again, here are you. <laughs> We're going to study this more next week. But in Colossians, it says that Christ is within. So what's inside of you? Christ. And what's inside of Christ? The anointed one and his anointing that what? Removes burdens and destroys yoke. So inside of you right now, whether you feel it or not, whether you uh, have butterflies or not, but inside of every single one of us is the anointed one. According to Colossians, that that and his anointing that removes the inside of us, that removes the burden and destroys you. But wait a minute, it didn't stop there. It said it's within you, but then it also said it's among you. Next week, we're going to talk about that your life is hidden. Just to wrap this up, because I love this illustration. Do you still see you? There you are. And what are you in? I'm in Christ. What does that mean you're in? I'm in the anointed one, Jesus. What? And his anointing that does what? Removes the burden and destroys it. Do you still see you? Do you see you in there? And who's in you? Can you see it? It's kind of back in there. Who's in you? Christ. Jesus. What is he? He's the anointed one. And his anointing that removes the burden and destroys the yoke. Lord Jesus, we thank you tonight that you have given us a liberty that only can come from you. So first of all, God, we're just kind of just grateful that we don't have to be anything different or walk any differently other than with you. So Lord, just let, let us, as we discover this, as we learn this, Lord, let us just be revelation to our hearts that Christ is in us and Christ is among us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.